I am here with Shane Devon. Uh, Devon. Devon, I'm sorry. <laughs> Start over. I'm here with Shane Devon, and he is the director of several films, including the one uh, we're about to show, The UFO Girl. And that will be coming up on August 6th. I do plan on putting this up before then. So if you hear this and it sounds cool, please come out. some YouTube stuff that was pretty successful back in the day, but you only recently got into actually making short films and uh, you haven't done a feature yet, have you? It's all been short no, so yeah, far. No, right? the feature is, is coming, so like cool. that, that's sort of on the horizon for next year, uh, but whenever I've been doing it forever. I mean, since I was a kid, my aunt had a camcorder and she would let me borrow it whenever I wanted, mm-hmm. and uh, so we would make little short films whenever uh, I was a kid with my cousins and friends around town. Uh, then I kind of discovered music and left filmmaking alone for a long time. I knew uh, music was your primary uh, yeah, stuff yeah. there for a while. And around 2006, uh, there, this cool new invention called YouTube came around. <laughs> and uh, I started making some sketch comedy with some friends of mine. It was mainly improvised stuff, uh, actually here in the basement where we're recording this mm-hmm. interview. Uh, and uh, we didn't really have a lot of scripts or we didn't pay attention to production values, but... It sort of like helped me get my sea legs, as it were, for editing and things like that. Right, and there wasn't a lot of people doing that at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was uh, a new thing in 2006, and uh, I, I certainly didn't know anyone, especially locally, mm-hmm. that was doing it. But I met people from all around the world, uh, and sort of developed a community. It was Facebook before Facebook. Right. Uh, that's sort of how we kept in contact with our friends all over the place. And yeah, it blew up way bigger than we thought it would. We were featured on the front page a few times oh, wow. of YouTube. Uh, our, our channel, even today, after 12 years of being inactive, still gets views pretty mm-hmm. much every day. And we have like th- something like 3 million combined views wow. of all of our videos. Yeah, I went to check it out because I, I only lived in Owensboro for like nine years, so I didn't know you back then. But I did go back and check out some of that stuff and noticed you had quite the following. Uh, once upon a time, that was my greatest achievement. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. You put up a video the next day and you've got you know, a thousand views and a few hundred comments. And I was like, oh, this is the life. <laughs> yeah, I made it. <laughs> Just curious, because I love vintage gear, what did you use back then? I know you said a camcorder, but for editing. Oh my goodness. Well, we used a Sony Handycam pretty much uh, exclusively for all of the videos. Uh, back then I edited on Final Cut Pro, which I learned when I worked at Sunlight here in town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I did wedding videos for Sunlight, and that's how I learned how to do Final so Cut. So you had a video capture card and the whole uh, yeah, thing back then? Yeah, all that stuff, all that stuff. We were high tech. Nice. Uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, I was in a media class, and we actually got a bunch of editing equipment, like bays and everything, while I was there, but we never did anything with it. I was like, oh. I think they started using it after I moved on to... Uh, Ain't that just the way, yeah, Ain't like, that oh, just man. the way. Have you, have you done... And like, back then, were you able to do editing and things like that? Uh, no, because I like I would like dream of having like a video capture card and stuff. And I did have a camcorder. And ultimately, my friends and I started like making goofy like Blair Witch ripoff stuff or whatever. Yeah, my friend John, who is a filmmaker now, he, he made a short film called Enemy Within. I don't know if you got a chance to see I that. I haven't seen that one. I We've shown it up. before. Uh, we're going to show it again with you. Uh, so, oh, you know, so you will get a nice. chance to see it. But yeah, we... He would make films with him back in high school and stuff and um he was like a master of in-camera edits and would do stuff that i would never think about doing and you could tell from 
where we knew each other back then that he was going to go like further into it than I was. So right. I never got around to doing edits and stuff, but I've done like little things uh, since I've been at the library just for like vi- short videos uh, that I sure. used to promote stuff. But not awesome, a lot. Man. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, but yeah, like after YouTube, uh, making movies back then wasn't as easy as now. Oh, yeah. uh, there, there were no uh, iPhones that I, I think, I think there were no iPhones, but um yeah, so over it time, was probably a re- shortly, be- either right before or right after the birth of the yeah. iPhone, if I remember correctly. Well, I, I remember thinking, if I'm going to make a movie, I'm not going to shoot it on video because it would look really cheap. Right. Because we had video equipment at Sunlight, but yeah. it wasn't good enough to make films with. Um, and then uh, time passed, and then my friend, I don't know if it was PJ or Daniel that made the first movie, but PJ Starks locally and Daniel mm-hmm. Benedict, they both started making movies almost out of the blue and it, it was just like yeah. went from zero to 60 and nothing right and pj is actually the creator of unscripted he's the one who brought the idea yeah. to the library and teamed up with us so Absolutely, shout man. out to pj we've actually never done an interview with pj we pre- should probably get on that pj so oh, if he, you're listening he's here call me here no <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, so watching these guys kind of do it they're like you know it's it's why not it's time right. you know it, uh, i don't know why i didn't do it before this yeah. and um all, all the equipment is a lot more affordable now sure and so i just figured why not yeah, so, yeah. and that's one thing i love about the unscripted program as pj conceptualized it. it turns out to be a great networking thing so when we started doing it we had people come in that had never had any experience with filmmaking before people just heard about it thought it sounded cool and some of those people went on to get involved with volumes of blood which was shot at the library and they ultimately started making other films see that's crazy man the world has completely opened up mm-hmm. it's, it's a whole new a whole new world for independent filmmaking uh yeah i just wish i'd gotten started a little sooner but better yeah. late than oh never, yeah never so. never too late never too late and you're right i mean you know between 2006 when you started so now everything is so much more affordable there are so many tutorials out there on youtube where you can learn edits and tricks like that i mean even someone as inexperienced as me can do a little something it's just a matter of you know focusing on it long enough i have a feeling we're all a little inexperienced because oh, I, yeah. i've spent more than my my fair share of time on youtube sort of looking right. at how to use different little things in after effects yeah and that. yeah. yeah i mean the go-to. between and as much as i hate to give tiktok any praise because you know <laughs> there, there's a lot of good comedy on there i mean the, oh, sure. their ads always focused on just like you know the cheesy stuff but if you dig down far enough into it you'll find really good comedy and really good tutorials you can learn to do almost anything on tiktok it exactly. seems like these days so yeah i mean if you're a filmmaker listening to this or an, a budding filmmaker somebody just interested definitely uh, come out to unscripted you know like one great thing about it is uh, i bring a filmmaker together usually, usually i try to bring filmmakers together from different scenes because i like you know the networking aspect you know a director meets a cinematographer meets an actor and they maybe Absolutely. spark a connection and eventually work together and you know i've seen stuff like that happen which is which is really really cool Early 2000s, you start doing YouTube stuff. Uh, you've got a camcorder. You've got uh, editing. No, I had a question about Sunlight, actually. Yeah, yeah, Because uh, I like stories like this. So, sure. like, were they cool with you bringing in your own projects and working on, like, just to learn your craft a little better? Yeah, I had to do that after hours. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I eventually got the program here at my house. So, mm-hmm. I was editing the YouTube stuff here. Yeah. Um, but my boss at the time, he really wanted me to learn as much as I could. And so, he encouraged me to do my See, own thing. Bosses like that are the best because yeah. that's at the library you know um one one thing i love about library jobs is that you never do just one thing like when i started out i was working at a very small library so i did a little bit of everything even though as a system administrator did marketing did put books on shelves you know sure. it was a little bit of everything so in my current job even though i was primarily an it person i got into programming and you know i do twitter stuff and it's just like i can 
if there's something I want to learn that I think I can do something cool for the library or a program I want to pursue, I'm encouraged to do that, even though it doesn't directly tie into my main job duties. And bosses, bosses like that, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're the best. If, if they encourage creativity, you're going to be a better employee for it sure. It makes sense across the board. Yeah. 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 Encourage your employees. And if they're working on something that excites them, they're going to learn a lot faster. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's uh, something, you know, as a, as a hobby that you're doing already, uh, that you get hired in for, you know, you, 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 the skills are going to translate for sure. A hundred percent, man. Yeah. So tell me about uh, your music experience. I, I, I don't know that I've, I've had some musicians on that were filmmakers, but never ones that have pursued music as much as you have. Right. Well, that was my first thing. Um, I went to school for music education and then music performance at Wesleyan here in town. That's sort of what brought me to Owensboro. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I've just been writing songs forever, sending them out here and there sort of blindly and willy nilly mm -hmm. to different publishers in Nashville. Of course, I never heard back from any of them. But uh, when I got to Sunlight, uh, my boss um, developed a publishing company, Sunlight Publishing, and at that point I was able to sort of publish some of the songs okay. that I was I writing. Yeah, it was it was a cool deal. Uh, and it's always going to kind of be a part of me, I think. Uh, music I can do by myself. You know, right. like I can sit here in the basement as long as I have a couple of microphones and some instruments and an idea and something with a record button on it. I can I can do it myself. And that has been sort of a shock going into the world of movies because there's no way you can do that yeah. by yourself. So yeah. like the way I've sort of trained myself to work in the creative field has really been... Uh, sucker punched a little bit with the way you have to make movies. You have to rely on other people. You yeah, have some, to have some people, people like do a lot on their own, but those people probably are pulling their hair out by the end of. Yeah, like, yeah I look yeah. at people like Robert Rodriguez. I don't know if you ever read his book. I haven't. No, but uh, Rebel, I'm a fan. Rebel without a crew. If you can track down a copy of that, I highly recommend it. It's his film journal that he had while he was making El Mariachi, and he talks about right. doing medical testing and all kinds of stuff, race budget. And he did so much of that on his own. It's it's a pretty inspirational book. I, I nice. definitely recommend that. I read that years ago, but it's it's cool. it's one of my favorites for sure. Well, like, even still. Um, I usually have a crew of about five or six with me, but I'm, I'm still sort of setting lights and mm -hmm. I'm still running the camera and, right. and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's just draining mm -hmm. doing just that by myself. I couldn't imagine doing the whole thing. Yeah. Do you do, um, you score yours or do music for your, no, actually something fun, uh, uh Jeff Thatcher has been scoring my films, and he's scoring the most recent film I'm making. And do you remember that group Rockapella from the oh, 90s? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's in that group. And okay. He was and in the group back then, and we just sort of become pals over the years. That's cool. And he turns out he's a talented yeah. uh, musician as far as scoring films. Yeah. So uh, that's very cool. Him. And I, uh, that leads me to something else I was going to ask you about, which is your record label. So you've got a, a like a small vinyl press sort of thing going on. I tell, do. tell us a little about that. I do, yeah. Uh, around... I don't remember the year we started that, um, but I was working for a label out of Detroit called Jet Plastic Recordings, and he put out mostly punk kind of records, which I love, yeah. but I wanted to s sort of delve more into the pop realm, mm -hmm. uh, and so I created my own label. Every, everyone at that time was doing it, all, right. my, all the community I was in, and we created Tinker Tone Records, and since we created it, we've put out four um, vinyl records so far, seven inch vinyl records. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm actually quite proud of it. And I'm far from finished. I don't think I'm finished doing it. Yeah, yet. that's yeah. cool. Mark 10 was the first one, right? He was the first one. Yeah. He is, he's an Owensboro guy, right? He's an Owensboro guy. The only one to say yes when I started, <laughs> uh, cause I, I messaged a bunch of people. I'm like, Hey, I want to do this record label. And 
he, he got back to me enthusiastically. He's a very enthusiastic guy. I yeah. wish I had, like, I know he's a little bit older than me. Like, I wish I had the energy, you know, at my current age that he still seems to do. Oh, man. Mark <laughs> Mark Tennant. He's sort of a, a hidden icon here yeah. in Owensboro. Uh, I was in his band briefly. I remember um, cause the one time that I've seen him play, I think you played with him. Okay, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what he's doing now. I haven't talked to him in a while. This is a good reminder to to say, hey, Mark. What's up? What's yeah. going on there? Yeah, absolutely. And the, one of the Rockapella guys, like, was, did you do a Rockapella album or was it a side project? Um, I did. Okay. The guys who created Rockapella, um, one of the guys, um, he, he isn't in the band anymore. He left the group a long time ago mm-hmm. and he formed a new group called the Groove Barbers. That's it. Yeah. yeah can, and they released a lot of music and it sounds like old school Rockapella. Yeah. And so I just reached out to him. I said, hey, man, I want to put out uh, Zombie Jamboree on a seven inch <laughs> record for Halloween. What do you think? And he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> but, was, but then he's he was like, "Yeah, sure." And, what, and tell tell us about the other two releases too. Just get some plugs in. Uh, the other what? The other two releases. Oh, you got. Um, Taylor Abraham's out of Canada. I discovered him oddly enough whenever I was putting together sort of a homemade bedroom Beatles album of people on YouTube who are covering Beatles albums. So I like mm-hmm. took each Beatles album and found every song covered by people in their bedrooms. Ah, that's cool. And I found him. He did when I'm 64. Mm-hmm. And we've really become good pals over the years. And his music is fantastic. Yeah, he I does like a bunch of cartoon voices and stuff. He too, does, right? yeah. He was he was in a bunch of Disney stuff uh, and Nickelodeon stuff. I think Nickelodeon stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm still a huge fan of his yeah. music. And we still talk to this day. So I got to put out uh, an EP from him. Uh, and then there's another group out of Nashville so called Volk, right? Volk. Yeah. yeah. yeah I did see them when they played here. They were yeah, great. Yeah, I promoted that show yeah. when they played at the spot. And their music moves me. Oh, they're so good. Uh, I had them down here in the basement, and we we recorded about six songs to tape. I have a an eight track Otari uh, tape machine that I record on, and they wanted to kind of get that old mm-hmm. experience of recording to tape. And that is my favorite time it's, in the it's studio. It's good. I bought, I bought a copy of that one. You, uh, I, I think you dropped on Record Store Day. At, I did. At I did. And, right. and there were there were other songs that I was wanting to release, but at the time they couldn't because uh, they were about to release on another record label, yeah, and right. they couldn't put those songs out yeah. until the LP came out. And uh, have you ever thought about like with some of these films you're doing, like releasing a soundtrack through Tinker Tone or anything absolutely. like that? Absolutely, corporate synergy yeah, there. Absolutely. But uh, the thing is, like a lot of the music that I've been using, I've had. Um, reach out and to different publishers, lots of publishers, mm-hmm. because music plays a huge role in the movies that I'm making. Yeah. And in order to get all of those songs onto a soundtrack, it would cost me a small fortune. Oh, yeah. And like you and one other guy is going to buy a copy, right. right? Yeah, I didn't know. Like, Because that's one thing with some of the work I've done with PJ. He likes to get me, since I'm such a music guy, to help find bands. And usually it's just like, we're not going to release anything. It'll just be a few seconds in the movie and, and things like that. I've never, that's just one topic. I don't think we've ever brought up in any of the podcasts we've done is like music rights and how much that can yeah, cost. and everything. It's, it's rough. They, I, I discovered this artist on YouTube called Orla Gartland and her music really, really moves me. And so there was a song of hers called more like you mm-hmm. that I wanted so badly to use in the UFO girl. And uh, they actually said yes, but it wasn't cheap. Right. Oh, yeah. So, I had to pay up for that. And and just real quick on a, on a side note there, on Piper Pence and the Pandemic, which is another of my films, there was a song I wanted to end the film on called In a Cage by a band called The Black Bells. Mm-hmm. And they're on Third Man Records. Yeah. And that song was actually produced by Jack White. Mm-hmm. And his wife now is the lead singer of that band. Oh, okay. Um, and so I reached out to, I, I kind of know Ben Blackwell at Third Man Records. Um, and I'm like, hey, man, I got this movie. I got no money, but can I use it? He goes, yeah, for money. 
<laughs> so, so I had to pay up for that song uh, a little bit. And of course, there's conditions where you can only release it a certain way right. in certain territories. And so, when you shoot your movies now, are you shooting on an analog camera or do you have digital? No, no, I guess it has to be digital. Uh, analog cameras are way too expensive. Like, mm. if, I, if I were to shoot on film right now, I would love to shoot on 16 millimeter, but it, it triples your oh, budget. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that so, makes sense. So. But, and, and here's the thing I, I have an Ursa Mini camera, a Black Magic Ursa Mini, and I, I researched cameras far and wide, but, and that one is supposed to perform on the level of budget that I have as close to film as oh, possible. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the Blackmagic cameras. Yeah, yeah they're it, supposed to be really good. So what I do is I limit myself to only using settings within the camera mm-hmm. that film uh, can do. Okay. So, yeah, if, if if I'm using, say, a 400 ISO and I'm like, I have to pump a lot more light to it, whenever I get it into the editing bay, I can make it look exactly okay. like film. Yeah, I mean, the movie looks, it looks like a film like movie oh, to me. Yeah. It looks, the colors are great. It does not look like a, you know, a lot of digital images are so sterile whenever they're shot, but the cinematography is really great. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's a excellent. Uh, so tell me, I guess, as we transition into talking about the the movie we're going to sure. show, tell yeah. me tell me about the idea of the UFO girl and kind of where it came from and stuff. Well, in 2019, uh, whenever I decided to start making movies, I, I've had this character for a long time called Nikki Jones, and I based her on a girl that I knew in high school, someone who mm-hmm. really impressed me and made an impression on me. And we've used Nikki Jones. Me and my friend Kent Blue created a series called Life of Chance even before YouTube was a thing that we were going to do sort of an animated series. And of course that went nowhere. So (laughs) over time I've had this character in this town called stone's throw. I had no idea what to do with it. And I kept trying and trying and trying to find a vehicle for it. And one day I was, uh, as I knew I was wanting to write a movie for the new film company, I was downtown here in Owensboro at Smothers and this plane flew over the bridge very slowly <laughs> and it just hit me as like well what if that was a ufo oh and what if it was just sitting there and what if the town is famous for it and it just sort of hit me yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love that hook it's like uh you know the almost like a roadside attraction sort of yeah, setup like I, I, I'm a, yeah i'm a big fan of just like detours to see a big ball of string or whatever absolutely so man captures and, that feel a little and bit then that evolved into it's 30 years after it came so the town is sort of a Route 66 abandoned mm-hmm. kind of yeah. old tourist trap. Everyone's over it. Nobody cares. And I wanted to focus on this character, Nikki Jones. Yeah. And that's where that's how it ended up. Yeah, because yeah. it's a very human story. And that's just cool. To, I, I like the contrast between the sci-fi and, and the, the human aspect. Absolutely. And uh, I wrote a whole feature mm-hmm. uh, back in 2019 called The Third Rock Five. Oh, I remember seeing yeah. a post about and that. And then in uh, I, I auditioned people. I had resources together. And then around on March of uh, what was it 2020 uh covid right and it took everything away mm. all of my resources went away and uh, yeah so uh, and that's when you switched over and made piper right? we made piper because uh, I, I i wanted something with one character uh that we could do with almost nobody in the house mm-hmm. and then after piper was finished i'm like ah give me back Nikki Jones with the COVID <laughs> pandemic was still going. Right. So and that's the same actress, isn't it? Same actress, okay. yeah. I discovered her through the auditions for Third Rock 5. Okay. That was Liz Dillman at the time. Her name now is Liz McFerrin because she married the lovely, lovely Mark. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to go back to Nikki Jones, and that's when I wrote The UFO Girl as sort of a, a proof of concept. 
I guess, a blip in time mm-hmm. in that universe. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's smart. Like, because, you know, it's so hard to do a feature in the, the COVID era. Like, you know, these little bite sized films that you're making now, which I mean, they feel like full films. They don't feel like bite sized, but it's mean, like lengthwise, it's not as much yeah. of an undertaking. Yeah, there's just so much more to explore mm-hmm. in the world of Stone's Throw. And so that's why uh, now I've, I've finished my latest film, Ghostomatic. My next project is the UFO girl feature. So I'm going to go back to my original script. Yeah. Cool. Uh, And I mean, it has to almost be totally rewritten from Mm -hmm. the ground up because I discovered a lot about the characters and and the location. Right. I I mean, so it's been like what, it's two, three years since you were there. I'm sure you've learned a lot between then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, there's some things uh, that, that I wrote into the original script that aren't really feasible Mm -hmm. on my level, you know? So yeah, I'm going to go back and rewrite the whole thing, but I I can't wait to jump back into that world. Where was you? girl shot because the town is like really cool looking. okay uh, that was uh cloverport kentucky and i grew up about 15 minutes from cloverport in a town called sample and i actually lived in cloverport for a little okay. while and a lot of the locations in the ufo girl are sort of beloved romanticized locations from whenever i was a kid yeah uh, so like actually being able to see them on screen and presented in in a way that makes me feel good yeah it's cool it's yeah. it's almost uh I'm not going to say it's like Stranger Things, but it has a Stranger Things feeling that it makes you like long for like a bygone day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's the thing I was trying also. Like the film is set in modern day, mm-hmm. but uh, of course I'm I'm very old. Yeah, it feels and, timeless. It doesn't <laughs> feel like it, you don't look at it immediately and say, is this like you don't know exactly where it feels right. like. It feels familiar, but it doesn't feel like, you know, it's a specific era. Right, right. Well, as uh, like I'm, I'm very old, and I, I was a kid in the 80s. And so uh, whenever I got my love of film, it was in the 80s oh, with, with all the different, yeah. With yeah all I, was, the different I was born in 79, so and yeah, so right there with you. I was 78 here. Yeah. Uh, so I say with everything that I do from now on, even the stuff that's set now is always going to, I think, have that feel just yeah. because I can't help it. And I'm, I mean, this, and it's a popular feel now. I love the fact that so many people are like going back to that and making things that are diverse and what they lovely. are. But it's just, it, it feels lovely. like it could be, you know, a Spielberg or something. It's, it's uh, cool that that's a, uh, that's uh, happening so much now. It's crazy, man. And uh, there's. I think there's something about that time period. Absolutely, uh, I yeah. think that it, there's always going to be something. So, so many like uh, innovative films are dropping then. Like you just saw stuff like even as you know much of the early '90s, like Jurassic Park. You know they don't really seem to do that anymore. It's like anything now is just such a bloated CG mess. It's like those films were like uh, complicated, but they were also simple. They I don't know. I just feel like you know not to diss on Marvel because I do love Marvel <laughs> movies, but just like you watch those and it just looks like a bunch of like. Uh, robots hitting each other or whatever you know it's a lot it's a lot and, and that's something we're thinking about uh why why are the movies from like uh, 1980 to 1990 so influential and and, uh, and why do they endure did you see bumblebee the transformers are like that is like a, a good example like so transformers movies big loud mess you know a bunch of robots fighting each other but bumblebee was a very simple almost like an et story because oh, the girl okay. finds bumblebee like in a junkyard and gets it as her first car or whatever and it's a little kind of about their relationship like almost like a brother sister sort of relationship it's a very sweet movie and it's like very simple and i feel like the fact that it was associated with transformers made anyone who might actually enjoy it like from our time frame like just hate it because it's like Transformers have been tainted by Michael Bay or whatever, but it's, it's worth watching just based on what you're telling me, Sold, what you're into. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. I, and I haven't seen it and now I will. And now they owe you some money. So. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there are, there are some fights toward the end of it, but they're not like just, you know, there's, there's a human story there, but the fighting is just like, you know, almost, it's almost like, you know, ET getting away from the government, basically like the similar stuff like Fantastic. that where it's simplified a lot. Oh yes. Yeah. I will see this movie. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> 
talk about your posters a little bit because I'm, I'm looking uh, over your shoulder here and I see oh, your posters yeah. and they're great looking posters. I'm a big fan. Like, I think one thing, like, you know, as a library person, I'm not going to name names, but like <laughs> independent authors don't always think about how their books look. And there are a lot of bad, I'm not talking about anyone I necessarily know. It's just stuff that I've seen self-published on Amazon or whatever, just randomly surfing around. It's like, I think a book cover, you know, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but I think it's very important that, you know, you, you can't have it, it semi-modern. <laughs> so your posters look great and there's some of the best ones I've seen as far as like oh, things we've shown. I'd, I'd love to know, do you design these or you got somebody? No, I, I do them. Um, yeah, for Piper, I uh, that was my first movie. And so mm-hmm. I, I was thinking when I was a kid, what would I pick up if I saw it on the shelf? And I was thinking about like, all those different movies whenever we would go to, to rent. And so that's where that one came from. Uh, UFO Girl is the one I'm most proud of, mm-hmm. uh, the it's poster for cool. UFO Girl. And I was uh, thinking back to sort of the 50s, like uh, B-movies, like mm-hmm. science fiction and things like that. And I did a lot of research on how those looked and how they were laid right. out. And, and yeah, so I finally landed on the UFO Girl poster as it stands today. And I'm, I'm so proud of it that mm-hmm. I'm sort of wondering if I'll kick myself when the feature comes out <laughs> that I already used this idea oh, yeah, yeah. for the short. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Thing, man. Oh I'm, man. I'm, I mean, it's, it's great stuff. And that's like, I love the old B like movie sci-fi posters. That's why I, I know you uh, saw the unscripted one that we did. We had Chris Schweitzer, comic artist, uh, right. draw it out. And that's kind of the vibe I was going for with that yeah. too. Although I did ask him if he would like draw me and PJ like shooting lasers, but he didn't. He wasn't able to get that in there. But, oh come uh, on, man! It takes two minutes. <laughs> oh no, yeah. Chris, Chris is awesome. He's drawn. That's like the third poster I think I've having had him draw. He's a very uh, big library supporter. And if you're you're looking for some good comics to read, look up Chris Schweitzer, and uh, he works with Kyle uh, Starks from over in um, Evansville, who does a lot of the Rick and Morty books. He, uh, they're oh, they're both very creative and funny people. Nice man. But yeah, that's sort of the thing I was doing with Jet Plastic. Recordings as well. Um, I, I do a lot of record covers for him. Oh, okay. And I design okay, them and I screen print them here. Oh, nice. Uh, and that's sort of like my day job. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and you did that. Greg Sestero, speaking of him, he, yes. uh, if, if any of you have the copy of the Greg Sestero poster from two years ago maybe when he came while. to yeah, when he back. came to show i think best friends that was uh shane's work he screamed into those posters for me so i felt bad are, about that too because i felt I, I didn't know if i was like taking attention away from his boot oh, no he loved him okay, no no cool, no, no, cool. no he loved him. he was he was a fan for sure no he didn't do like it's nice. it's all good because he didn't have anything like that and it was just something extra for him to sign too well he signed mine yeah, yeah. so like i i have a signed one here somewhere yeah i think that, a lot of people got him signed so yeah no it was very popular cool. I, he, he, he didn't mind that at all nice uh yeah so let's uh talk about i guess how long the edit took and you know how much of your hair did you pull out and like how you went from there to your first screen tell, okay tell me about the first screen well yeah that boy that was the longest edit i've ever done <laughs> uh, that was rough because i had to learn a lot of stuff yeah um because i never used after effects in any kind of capacity before and i had to learn after effects mm-hmm. and so we finished shooting the film at the end of july of 2020 21 mm-hmm. oh and one thing i did yeah. forget that like the the ufo was practical right yeah that's yeah, what i was gonna talk, say. talk about yeah that yeah too, uh, so I, like I forgot to mention so that. after we shot it we had them all reacting of course to nothing uh and then um i learned after effects but i wanted the ufo to kind of be practical so i ordered a kit online and when it got here i sort of painted it myself okay. i replaced the windows in it i put <laughs> electronics in it so that it would actually light up uh, and I, I distressed everything on the outside of me and bethany westerfield mm-hmm. right here in the basement said it was county public library zone yeah bethany yeah westerfield. bethany shout out 
uh, set up a green screen actually right there and um, uh, put the UFO on a spinning platform. <laughs> and we just shot everything that we needed. And we tried to set the lights to match the day that we shot as best uh, as yeah, possible. Yeah, I know it, it blends really well, but yeah. I, I thought it looked practical. Yeah, and, and not only that, there's another object um, that the character Sparky uses in the movie. And I built that as well. And that's okay. behind you over there beside this thing. Uh, I built that out of a Super 8 uh, editing bay. You have so much cool stuff down. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it, it went. It was originally going to be CGI, but I thought, eh, why not? Yeah, because that's, that's smart. Cause, I mean, in general, even like big budget movies, I prefer practicals. I know I haven't seen the new Jurassic Park yet, but as I understand it, a lot of those dinosaurs they did do practical this time out, which I think is cool. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, that's. Cool. Uh, I was just listening to an interview recently. With, it may have been Jeff Goldblum actually. Uh, uh, some somebody was talking about it. Yeah, I love they said. Jeff. So, so yeah, they said that the, this time out they did do. I'm, I'm sure there is some CG, but probably with the close up scenes like the Triceratops one, no, the sick Triceratops from the other ones. Yeah. I, I bet it's those that are practical. So I, nice. I, I do need to see that. Well, I tell you, uh, the UFO girl took me probably s six months or more to edit. Um, well, I don't think I mentioned like how how long did the shoot itself take? I don't know. I don't think that I was that. a seven day for the initial production, and then we had three days of pickups. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so that's very quick based it, on my experience with any film. Absolutely, and it was hot, uh. brother. It was really hot outside, and most of the shoot took place outside, mm -hmm. and some of it on a roof mm -hmm. in the heat of day. Uh, so like. Didn't do the room and green screen a roof oh gosh that guy had the right idea <laughs> i wish we had done it in green screen uh but no it was it was seven days uh mainly in cloverport but we also shot in evansville at the high score player two. Oh, okay was that where the arcade was? Yeah. i didn't I, I've, I've been in there like once maybe i, I didn't realize that's where they yeah, were and those guys were awesome oh man. yeah they're I, cool like i told them well uh, okay I won't. I won't go too much into all that. But um, it, he just left us to our own devices. Oh wow! Uh, inside the arcade, and it was tough sometimes pulling the cast and crew, like because it's mm. all free play, right, right? So they're playing video games. Like, hey guys, come on, we got, <laughs> we got, a, we got a shot. Um, but yeah, so we were there for two days uh, at High Score Player Two. I'd actually like to go back there and like rent the place out and show the movie and let people play games that's and good stuff. Idea. Yeah, yeah. There's another place over there too that's pretty cool called Secret Headquarters. It's like arcade. I don't I've know been there. Yeah, yeah. That, I like that one too. Uh, but yeah, high score I, I really like because it's all free to play. So that's that's free always wins me over. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, so you said it was a six month edit. About a six month edit. Yeah, yeah, it took a long time, mainly because of the After Effects thing. Mm -hmm. though, because I had to remove like reflections. Right. I had to change. Uh, signs on windows that said Cloverport uh -huh. to uh, Stones Throw. I had right. to change the water tower from Cloverport to Stones Throw. So like, there's a lot of what they call invisible edits all throughout yeah. the film, and that's something I look for because I know a filmmaker a friend of mine who is actually going to show an unscripted two sent me a rough cut of his. I was like. I can see you in the mirror in this one part. <laughs> and I came up with an idea around that and pitched it to him, and he liked it. So I think they're going to reshoot it with that. Oh, it's yeah. Like, the, the girl in the back seat uh, who's a film student has a, a camcorder she's messing with. It shows after you see him show up. So I was like, why not just have it like she's got her camera on, and they're talking back and forth, and that way she can do the shooting, and you don't have to worry about seeing you in the mirror. See, that's really cool, man. Like, where were you when I was editing UFO Girl? <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's my OCD triggers, you know. <laughs> Um, but so six months and, uh, you said this was the most, uh, kind of complicated edit, I guess. Yeah. Cause I, I haven't seen Piper. I will say it's, uh, is it as effects heavy as this? No, no. Piper was pretty straightforward. Uh, there's really not a whole lot to Piper that I had to do as far as the edits. Uh, the most complicated part of Piper, I think, is there was a shot where you could see zombies out the window, mm -hmm. but with the lights inside, it was too bright outside. Uh, so I discovered, um, these uh this film that you put over the window like an indie film yeah like a blackout <laughs> film or yeah, whatever well, and, and it, it makes it so that anything outside of the film is a lower 
uh, you know, aperture than yeah, it was inside. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. That's but, cool. But no, Piper didn't take any time at all. And we had like a practical blood effects mm-hmm. on the things that we needed. Uh, I think the only CGI in Piper is the image on the TV whenever Uh-oh. she's watching TV. Okay. And that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, your first screening, like, tell me about setting that up. Because I know that's an, another struggle for indie filmmakers is finding a place to show their films, which is another reason I'm glad we do Unscripted and that we're bringing it back. See, I'm wondering if it's easier now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, for UFO Girl, it's only screened one time, and I called it a special preview screening because there are film festivals out there right. that are kind of picky we've had people have, with unscripted call have to rebrand that what it is yeah just, just in case yeah yeah so anyway um uh i know gray greer at river park center and she knew that i was making movies and she liked piper pence and mm-hmm. she she was like do you have anything you would like to show at this new event downtown live yeah and i said yeah absolutely Here, yeah i love this. like you know what since you said that like bravo to the river park center and uh the greers and and her dad runs the river park right is that how I I'm, I'm not sure i only like know that. her and her mom I okay i think I, I may be completely wrong but anyway bravo to the river park center and ghost light lounge because they are both they're, they're doing so many cool unique events now it's like people complain all the time about there not being anything to do in Owensboro, but you know they're doing such so many so many cool diverse things down there you know every week and, yeah. and they need more eyes on it yeah uh, and they're bringing cool bands too that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily think about seeing in Owensboro. I, I did see a couple of people though talk about the red hot chili peppers like my dad bought tickets to this and thought it was actually the red hot chili peppers <laughs> i don't <laughs> that's remember, how they get you <laughs> yeah i don't know if that was for the show here or if it's maybe a show elsewhere i just saw it pop up on facebook and it made me laugh cuz i've actually I, I know you know I won't name names again. I might have to edit this out. I'm not sure what I was supposed to talk about. <laughs> no but we, editing. We've, no. Had, we've had people come to the library to pick up the actual Oscar-winning movie Room, but they've gotten the room instead. So it's just like, that's a little treat for them. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but no, that's cool. That was so easy. I mean, and, you know, I feel like PJ and Dan, you'll uh, both kind of pave the way for... They're the trailblazers, the the, the, uh, the town being more open to... Because, yeah. you know, before... Then how many times would you think about uh, a horror film that was made in Owensboro screening in Owensboro? Yeah, no, uh, like yeah, all, something all, town embrace. All praise to those guys. I mean, like they they sort of open the door, mm-hmm. and the rest of us are sort of elbowing our way yeah. through. We're sort of rushing in. And I mean, but, there's even no need to elbow because I think they both of them are glad to see more filmmaking happening. Well, uh, PJ is actually he's produced two of my movies. Uh, he executive produced he pro- ex- executive produced Piper Pence, and mm-hmm. he executive produced Ghostomatic, oh, okay. which is my latest film. Yeah, yeah, and that's so, the one we were talking about showing but you said it won't be done till about october it won't be right? finished yeah i'll have an edit next week but i'm sending it off for scoring so okay I'm, cool yeah. i yeah, wish yeah. it was ready so uh how many people did you have at your your screening oh gosh not a lot maybe maybe 20 or 30 it's um, so hard to do live events now and i mean i found this with my stuff at the library too you know you never know how many people are going to show up and it's you know covid i say only 20 and 30 but i'm uh, the 20 or 30 that showed up they stuck around and oh, so we, yeah. we did a q a afterward and it, for about an hour plus uh, they had all these awesome yeah, questions and a lot of times having like you know 20 or 30 uh, super attentive people is much better than having like you know 500 people that might you know be right. talking to their friends more than paying attention to what you do and the fact that they ask good questions like and i, I always beat myself up after events where i only have you know a handful of people but then you know the guests are usually like man it was good everybody paid attention they ask questions or whatever yeah, so that's it, that's almost it, more valuable it starts to feel like you're just like this like we're just sitting around and talking yeah, with friends you know and so sure. I, I kept thinking that it was going to end and like okay they, they don't want to know too much about this movie <laughs> but no it just kept coming and coming and coming and like oh this is fun yeah and when you'll get that on script too because everybody who attends usually has some really interesting questions uh and uh you know they're always very appreciative the audience like this is the first time we've done it maybe two years so i'm kind of yeah. like going into it and i'm like 
people want to show up, but I know there is a buzz about it now. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we'll have a good audience. Nice, man. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the live commentary. Yeah, yeah. That, that, what in the world? Like that seems so cool. Yeah. And again, that's a PJ idea and they almost like, I'm thinking about maybe just not having the Q and a between the screenings because a lot of times the live commentary turns into a conversation and I don't want people to like burn their questions during the Q and a gotcha. that they might, that might, you know, they might watch the, the movie again and something will trigger and, and they'll have a different version of their question or something. Right. So we may do that. But yeah, it's it's always the audience is there. And again, they're just really interested in the film. It might be just an older person that is saying, oh, this is happening. In Owensboro. Let's see what this is about. It's a younger person that's always dreamed of uh, being a filmmaker or being in a movie. And again, the connections are made there. I uh, when I, I grew up in Muhlenberg County, and when I was in high school, like I had no idea what I was going to do when I graduated. And then in '97, I was like, I want to go to film school. Uh, and we checked into film school. It was very expensive. There was one in Nashville, Watkins. We looked at that, and uh, we just couldn't afford it. It's like, dang. So I just kind of like drifted here and there and ultimately ended up working in the Mueller County Library and that got me into libraries. Like, oh man, I should have got a library science degree. But I still always had the film stuff in the back of my mind. Sure, man. And the fact that, you know, through libraries I was able to actually start doing stuff like this, the events and even, you know, being in a couple of films and helping behind the scenes of Volumes of Blood. It's kinda nice to be able to sort of achieve my dreams, maybe not not as much of a grand scale as I originally envisioned. You know, I'm in the background or being murdered in one of PJ's movies, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking to him about hopefully being in his next thing and, like, maybe actually having some lines before I get murdered. So, so you're, you're into acting. <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't necessarily – I wouldn't necessarily call myself an actor. I've been in several things, but it's usually background. I will uh, – one of the next uh, – Bagged and Board, which is a web series shot in Louisville at a comic Heard book of store. Uh, either in the next episode or the one afterward, I'll be in it with a, a very small speaking line and that's I think the first speaking line I've had in anything I've been in and I was in another episode of that that aired in this current season they, they had a really long delay because of COVID and everything and people having babies and stuff like that so it's, it's taken them <laughs> it's taken them a while to be able to get all that together but uh, it's going it's it's a quality show it's very funny there are a lot of comedians from Louisville in it it's it's just on YouTube so you can find it on there but it's 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 really good stuff well, but yeah you. so I, I am interested in acting I'd like to do more uh, of it uh, you know I was helping theater workshop just behind the scenes I never couldn't work up the nerve to be in a play. And part of that is because I would totally choke on my lines. Same. Yeah. yeah. Same. My memory is terrible. I feel like in a movie, you know, with more of an opportunity, okay, you messed that up. Let's do this last sentence again. But with a play and the live aspect, which just made me way too nervous. Yeah. I can't do live theater <laughs> for that very reason. Yeah. And, and even with music, when I perform live, I, I always mess the lyrics <laughs> up at some point. Uh, but dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I am far from finished making these films. So yeah. like, I'm looking, always looking for local people. Oh who, yeah. I mean, I would to love act. to do it. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer him a part of my next movie right now. There you go, man. Yeah, I'd be glad to do it. When you said local people, my mind instantly went to the OMU theme song. Look, like, I can't oh hear my that gosh. phrase. So catchy. Uh, it, Shout out to Grace Sky yeah. Studios. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I would. That would be awesome. I would love to to get uh, deeper into it. And I love behind the scenes stuff too. You know, uh, with Volumes of Blood, I was there every weekend that we shot pretty much. I think and. You know, I didn't, some nights I didn't do anything beyond taking a few pictures or like, okay, we needed something to hold our boom. Oh, I'll find you a mop handle. So, but yeah, it's just fun as a whole just to experience it and to be able to talk to people that are getting into it. Uh, and, you know, like this interview, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that probably brings us to a, a good end point since, uh, you know, we, we uh, kind of, that's, that's the way I do with these. I usually, <laughs> look, how you got into it, where the idea come from, first screening. That's usually where you drop off. So, uh, Please come out. Again, I, I plan on having this up uh, on well before, maybe the Monday before the program. So if you happen to run across this program and you're in the Owensboro area or, you know, 
a drivable distance, which whatever that is with gas prices. <laughs> uh, please come out and check out Shane's movie. We're going to be showing it with Enemy Within, which is one we've shown before. It's a great, great thriller. A guy wakes up uh, in his living room. Everything's messed up. He's uh, been beaten, has no idea what happened, and it's kind of about him discovering what happened. And uh, there's another movie we're showing with it called The Short Terms, made by somebody else from Sublime Media Group, and that's more like a romantic sort of movie that takes place in a record store. So if you oh, like record nice. stores, it's uh, shot Very in Mellow cool. Mats in Bowling Green, actually. Sweet. So, yeah, um, please come out. Uh, thank you, Shane, for talking to me. Hey, man, thanks for letting me be a part of it. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for letting us use your sweet, sweet gear to record, too. So this one should <laughs> probably sound a lot better than they usually do. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's it. We'll see you at Unscripted. Unscripted. <laughs>